When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome back to the Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard is out gallivanting around, we guess. We we he probably know. is well done with his uh, doctor's appointment. Is out to lunch with somebody else. We don't know. But Catherine Bad here with... Ellie Nick. Andy Brown Bernard. Cassie Schrader. We'll be back after these messages. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer way. Upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake, and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. Sorry, I have to listen to this for two seconds. It's a good song. Welcome back to the Tom Bernard Show. I'm here with L.A. Nick, 
Andy and Cassie, and we're mm-hmm. going to rip on a television show, right? That's well, what we're going to do. <laughs> I just don't understand it. So I, Nancy has seen this preview of the show that's on Netflix called Maniac, and mm-hmm. she said, check out this preview. The preview's, like, amazing. Yeah. And you're like, I want to watch this show. Yeah, I've watched two episodes. The show is a complete waste of time to watch. I'm oh, sorry. I'm so it, upset. It, it leads nowhere. The characters become different people. Whoever wrote this show has to be a serious drug user because it's just so <laughs> out there. But it literally, there's no storyline that makes any sense. It, it goes backwards in time, yeah. and then people become different people. And then you're <sighs> like, you're just, it's so confusing that you literally gain nothing watching it. Nothing. Really? You can Zero. never tell, like, what point in time are we what are they even doing like what is the context of this scene where is this scene going nothing well, there's a scene it a, where isn't it about mental illness really no it's about nothing because it the, says it is but he, i haven't really seen he's, that he's a schizophrenic but the it, main but they say he's a schizophrenic but i've never seen him he hasn't exhibited any signs of right, that and even the, even the pre, hmm. even that premise like is it is it taking place in modern day time or is it in the future because some things it, in the future but all the cars like are normal t- cars yeah. of today yeah. there's no modern anything but the the set of the like the drug lab yeah. is all modernized the only thing I can give it, this is the only thing I give it, the prop master is a really good prop master. The rest of the show just the scene, sucks. The, the sets are nice. The sets are nice. But everything it, it, that's else... That's Emma Stone, isn't it? That's in it? Yeah, uh, Emma Stone? Yeah, there's, there's, and what's his name? And uh, what's his face? Yeah, they're big uh, actors. Yeah. Oh my really gosh, big... what, uh, Jonah Hill. Jonah, Jonah Hill, Hill. yeah. Who's I mean, very skinny now. Yeah, he but looks. Sh- he doesn't even look like himself. No, the he really show doesn't. is. He looks good. I'm sorry, it's 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 a pointless show. So it's how many pointless. episodes did you watch? All of them. Oh, it's you watched the pointless. whole season. It's a pointless show. Well, it, are they setting you up for no, the next season? No, no, it's a mini series. They're not setting you up for anything. And you know what? I oh, have, I so have it's a, over. I think so. I have okay. a big. Bu- I'm not, almost stopped. Going to stop watching Netflix because this is the third. Uh oh. This is the third <laughs> series I got hooked on that has no point. Yeah. There's no ending. I watched that series, The Good Place, and it's got like. I you thought know, that was on regular TV. No, it's on Netflix. And with Ted, Ted Danson. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Has no ending, and the oh, last it... episode, the last season was 2016. So there's not another one. There's yeah. no ending. You watch this whole thing. There's no ending. I actually, I think the Good Place started on a network, and I yeah. think it was canceled okay. and maybe picked up by Netflix. That so... seems to be a very popular thing for Netflix to do: is take something that seems fairly <laughs> popular and that the fans really want more of, and then they take it. And then and I watched I uh, Shit's Creek. I love shit's There's no ending. Is the show over? Well, there's there's never no end. an ending. But it's over. This last season was 2016. There's no new one. There's really? no I ending. thought there was a new one. No, it's, nope. it's it was renewed for a fifth season, early 2019. Oh, it was, have, yeah, it was yeah, just recently. Re- well, yeah, I not think, for another okay. several months. I feel like Tom and I watched that over the summer, like it's a summer series. I right? watched the whole series, but there's no there's no ending to it. It says early 2019. It is a funny show, though. Hilarious. At the first time, first year we were watching it, I'm like, what? Is this show? No, it's a good show. About these it's a good show. Horrible people and making fun of everybody. And then it's like after you get to know these people, no, it's, it's it hilarious. Kind of, and I related to it. It was kind of like me moving to Dayton. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, one, seriously. One show that... Except for that was your choice. You I'm wanted like, to yeah, go. Yeah, but I'm like, you know, sitting <laughs> they in the had to bar do and I'm like, thinking about shit's crazy. I'm like, yeah, this is pretty close. <laughs> yeah, one show that happened, I got really hooked on, was Alpha Dog. 
or Alpha House. I'm sorry, Alpha House yeah. on Amazon. It was I think it was an Amazon original. I don't know that one. John Goodman was in it. Oh, he's um, good in yeah, usually he's good everything. everything. Yeah. And it was like a political satire. Like they made fun of a lot of like oh, real. Um, I like that. Oh, it's hilarious. Alpha House doesn't have an, out, doesn't have an outcome and ending. <laughs> kind of. I mean, it does, but like they totally That's... could have gone a whole couple more seasons, and it's only like. 22 minute uh, episodes so you can get through the two seasons real fast but yeah it's just hilarious like it's about four republican senators and like some of them are living together and then they kind of throw in oh you know now i feel like i have watched a couple of episodes of that yeah and so they kind of take real life situations Mm. of real uh, senators and kind of spoof them so, like, they had one uh, one of the senators who's Republican is secretly gay. And, you know, so it, it, they make fun Snore. of that. Yeah. No, it's it's <laughs> really mean... well done. I mean, it's just, like, oh, it okay. the way they do it. And is how you still secretly gay people? I don't, I don't know. If maybe. you're Republican, maybe. Because no. you'd probably, I don't know. I mean, are there? I don't know. Maybe there are. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't live in that world where people have to hide I watched, they are. I watched uh, the last Anthony Bourdain. Mm-hmm. Series, the, the this oh, new one yeah. after he's dead. Yeah, and uh, they're in uh, Senegal, Africa, and you're still not allowed to be gay. Oh there. no, yeah, no, like, you're dead. A lot Mon- of African yeah, countries. Yeah, in the United States. Illegal. I don't think it's. I don't, is it? I don't know. I didn't know Republicans were still upset about gay people. Yeah, I haven't, yeah. I haven't I heard know. about one of those secretly gay. Uh, well, I think they were kind of spoofing it off the whole. Um, what was that, Senator Craig? Then the Minneapolis bathroom incident so they kind of pulled it from that i remember that yeah and like they had this one uh uh, secretly creepy is different than being secretly gay (laughs) and then they had like one of the women senators who was kind of um she's very conservative and like she brought a gun to her office and she what was the senator that like she stated that she sleeps in her office so they don't have to pay her um hotel bills or something yeah like uh, per diem and so she was they kind of took from that and uh it's so she's like very right wing and And what's the name of the series it's called alpha house alpha house yeah it's on amazon yeah i thought it was hilarious i got rid of live tv so i only watch Okay, everybody's. It seems like that's the trend: is to get rid of your cable. Well, I wasn't. I just refused to pay 150 bucks a month to watch TV. I know, but now, now how many, and now how many streaming services do you have, though? I just have Netflix. You only. Well, even if you have them all, they're like ten dollars a month, so you have to have fifteen of them. Well, you got Amazon if you're Amazon Prime member, anyway. You can you can get a code for Xfinity on demand. If oh. you have a smart TV, oh. you can people just give out their codes, and there's no limit how many people that can use well, it. Well, that's going to end. But right now, you can do that. You, oh. you can give a million people your code mm-hmm. and watch any show you want. I hope that's not a, you know something you can be prosecuted for. <laughs> Everybody chipping on the cable bill. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. I, I know 50 people that use the same. Really? Yeah. Oh. Okay. It's like how some like, Netflix accounts are being used by a thousand people. My smart TV is too people. old and it won't do it. Oh, well, well my computer will. But uh, you know, but back to these, you know, uh, so many shows don't have endings anymore. I can't. They just take don't that. have endings. I need closure. So you need closure. <laughs> I know. Even movies, you're like, why did we even watch this? No, this I isn't really even do. A, this. It's not a story. You know what it yeah. does? It, it the stories create, have a beginning, middle, and an end. It creates anxiety for me. If there's not closure. I need closure. Even if I have an argument, like if me and you had a disagreement today, uh-huh. 
I'd have to have a closure before I left or I would not sleep tonight. That's how I'd time have, is. I That's exactly anxiety. how time is. I need closure. I need to say yep. we're okay, right, and yep. close it. Because so that's time is. do you lay in bed at night thinking of, um, like... How it could end. How it could end. Yes. And like how you said something and you could have said it differently. I do that sometimes. No, but I, I think of how the show could end. Yes. <laughs> I and, go, I would have done it this and I, you know, way. I, I literally lose sleep over it. And so <laughs> I'm not watching them anymore because I can't take the anxiety and the stress. Well, I think, it might, I think that might be because you're from a generation of real story, you know, the way that movies work yeah. for many, many years. And now movies and, and stories don't have endings sometimes they make zero sense whatsoever so i think everybody who's you know maybe under 30 might not even ever expect that there's an ending makes zero sense when you're granted it's just it makes very yeah it's hard to follow it's It's insanely hard so are you supposed to fill in the blanks yourself no there's no filling in the blanks it's just or is it just bad writing it's the worst writing i've ever seen it's it tries too hard to be like i don't even know new and edgy yeah Mm. Well, that's kind of how I felt with Hereditary, the ending of the movie. I was like, oh, yeah, exactly. It's like, what the hell? What does this have to do with anything? Right. What's going on? Ready? Everybody that you I guys noticed. Ready? Here we go. Okay. Two, one. Okay, never mind. <laughs> FEMA said that they're going to be testing a new emergency alert system. Oh, that's right. And everyone's right. phone is going to be freaking right out. With a loud tone and vibration. Not what at, not at one seventeen. Fifteen seconds ago, they were supposed to do it. Oh. Well, I guess ours well, doesn't it is work. The, it, is the, it is the government at work. That's true. So, so they probably meant another time. It'll happen. Yeah, I didn't get any sort of text. It's supposed some, to happen at one eighteen. Yep. Oh. It, it'll happen at some point, I guess. It says it, it's one eighteen on my phone right now, it yeah. says. Yep, it just passed. Oh, well, I didn't get anything, so... Yeah. So if well, that bomb's dropped. Uh, did you hear that everybody's, a lot of people are mad about this? They're like, I don't want that. Oh, there, oh, there it, it is. Goes. Oh, you got one. <laughs> I probably have my notifications off. I didn't get I it. do. I and probably have my notifications I'm getting it right now. Oh, I just got yeah. it. Presidential, oh, there it is. Presidential alert. This is a test of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. No action is needed. Wow. Amazing. Well, you know what? And people are people are like, I don't want this. I don't want to hear. So are they going to do like the sirens? No, it's just what we this just is saw. Just That's all for it is. I mean, the city of Minneapolis sends them to me. Yeah. Yeah, I got an Amber why, Alert. Why wouldn't I want? Yeah, why I used to I get, get an Amber, Amber Alerts. You get Amber Alerts in Florida. I've never and gotten silver them here. Alerts. And silver alerts, yes. <laughs> for seniors that Grandma's are Grandma's missing, yeah. Florida, you need alerts for a lot of things. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, uh, missile attacks, acts of they terrorism. They have a dumb people alert. Well, and natural disasters. Okay, so people are against getting an alert. I don't understand that. Well, because if the bomb drops... Because Trump drops, is doing it. Democrats then... are against it. <laughs> Why? All it's it Trump. is. Yep, it's just because Trump is... How can you be against They're something against that could keep you that safe? against anything the president does. Anything he does. Anything. Oh, I, I know that, but cured, you have to... If he to... cured cancer tomorrow, they would be against the cure. Well, you're a Trump supporter. I'm just saying. <laughs> you're a would, Trumpster. If, if he, if, according to... According to Star Tribune, <laughs> if he came out with the cure tomorrow for cancer, the Democrats would be against it. I, 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 I fear that you are correct. I Here we go. Someone file a suit to... Uh, stop it, right? To stop it from happening. Now, what, what is the, what, what's the reasoning? I just don't understand. I'm, I'm happy that there's an alert. I want to know that we have a security system in place. Yeah. I want to know I if I need to safe. dive under the table. I'm, I'm trying to find out. Ending. Exactly. I'm trying to figure I out... I kind of like, like a heads up. 
Well, yeah, it's like, okay, the missile's coming to your town. Better right. leave. Like, you want to know? I would like to know well, that. I don't know if you can do much about it. You know, where is it going to go? You know, how do <clears> I escape? Get in the basement. Oh, yeah, well, I know. Get in your bomb shelter. I don't know how much good that's going to be. Here we go. The complaint against okay. yeah, Donald Trump. Guarantee oh, it's, it's against, some oh, it's crazy just against Trump. Oh, of course it is. See, why did they have to say it's a presidential alert? Why didn't they just say. Well, that's Trump style. I know, but why didn't they just say safety alert? Yeah. And then nobody has to turn it into a political. The fact that it says volleyball. president on it, people think Trump, and then they exactly. think bad. Exactly. They're just exactly. programmed to that's think it, anything Trump are, does is bad. Those, that's, that's the whole reasoning behind it. Yep. I mean, that's the whole reason why he did it. It's tantamount to hijacking private property for the purpose of a government-controlled loudspeaker in the home. Oh. oh, my God. I'm not understanding this. But okay. A journalist from New York City, you say? Of course. Oh. God. All right. Is it a journalist? Does he work for the New York Times? <laughs> Jason B. Nicholas. Let's see. Well, now he's going to be famous, so that's why he probably did it, so everybody will know who he is. <clears throat> no, it's most of the time. That's what the well, is. all we ever do is pay attention to the malcontents. Oh, yeah, and he's a former felon. Good. Former felon? Yep. <laughs> In his Twitter bio, former felon turned oh, journalist. Oh, proud, proud felon. Proud felon. <laughs> a former felon. Once you're a felon, aren't you a felon? Yes. Like, don't uh, you, I think yeah. Well, actually, they're getting... Nope, they're, nope, nope. Actually, not the case anymore. Oh, I Employees thought Employees were... aren't allowed to have that box anymore in Minnesota. Of course. If you've been convicted of a felon, you're not allowed to have that box no more. Really? Not in Minnesota. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wait, I suppose it makes it gives them anxiety, the ex-felons. <laughs> Next, they'll be giving them gun permits. Oh, and, I think, and now they're allowed affairs. to vote again. Really? In Minnesota, yeah. Oh, yeah, here we go. A bunch of people. Oh, my God. Twitter is just the oh, most mentally ill place. It really is. I, this I is an abuse of power. Looking. Oh, a nationwide presidential alert is unacceptable. Well, you want to know what? They'd be the first people screaming. If he didn't do it, if, if something happened. If he didn't have, yeah. if some, something mm-hmm. catastrophic happened and no alert was out, then it would be his fault that he didn't do enough. Kind of like what they did to George W. Bush during uh, Hurricane right. Katrina. Yep. It was all Bush's fault that all those people were stuck in yep. New Orleans. And it's like, no, it was kind of the mayor's fault because he wasn't getting people out when he showed up. Okay. Well, here's yeah. Here's yes, here's some tweets. Wow. Trump just went ahead and made a national emergency alert political by calling it a presidential alert. What did I say? No, if he hadn't right. have done so that, that's, what, that's why he did it. The unbelievable narcissism to do that is uh, is astounding. Uh, what a historic moment. Americans all said "f Trump" at the exact same time. So it's literally just and mental illness are, because it's Trump. That's it. People are yeah. editing the presidential alert thing. I saying a presidential alert, witch hunt, crooked Hillary, no conclusion, <laughs> collusion, confirmed Kavanaugh, hashtag mag, mega, MAGA. I just, MAGA. I I just got that raggedy MAGA. ass presidential alert. <laughs> it won't be long until we start getting advertisements. These people are so stupid. We need to take a quick break and we'll be back uh, to the presidential alert in moments. <laughs> beep, beep. It's Tom here to tell you how easy it was for me to hit my goal of a 92.5 pound weight loss at Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth with their weight loss plan. I started in March and in just over five months I learned about clean eating and I now know the foods that work for me and the weight gain trigger foods, very important. I'm now in the reset phase and then on to the Nutrimost Forever Maintenance Program which I'll be talking about more in the weeks to come. Find out how to have success losing weight like I did 
Attend the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth free informational dinner on Monday, October 15th, 6.30 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. Those extra pounds melt away really fast with this easy program. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth will guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. Nutramost helped me change my life, and they can help you too. Register for the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner on October 15th. Just call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. A program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the guaranteed offer program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. bring everybody down from the anxiety yeah. of the presidential alert. Well, I, have, you seen, have you seen the $20 bills that are going around No. on the back with the White House and it has a red stamp and it has an arrow that says Trump lives here? No. They're, they're everywhere. Oh, yeah. This... I, I, almost every other 20 I get is the stamp. I haven't even seen that. No. Oh, yeah, this guy everywhere. is like literally, he well, just goes to the bank, gets bills. 20s, and then writes that on them no, and then stamped. goes and spends them. It's, it's stamped. Or, well, stamps it. Yeah, well, yeah whatever. They're, they're everywhere. everywhere. They had that one where it says, where's George and people would stamp it on uh, a, the dollar bill. Oh, and it would around. Yeah, and, yeah, and there's around. like a website where you can oh, plug right, in the serial it, yeah. number and see yeah. where that dollar's been. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome back to the Tom Bernard Show. <laughs> We're all upset about the presidential alert, apparently, on Twitter. Uh, Shabba says, F this BS. I don't want that orange rapist MFR texting on my phone. Nice person. Yeah, Literal psychosis. Great language. Uh, people think that they think that the system is Donald Trump is going to call them personally. That's, That's what they actually think is going to happen. Well, there's a couple of funny ones. My next presidential alert will be using a dog whistle so that only crooked Hillary and Nancy Pelosi can hear. <laughs> I saw that one. <laughs> I like that one. Yeah, all it is. Any other it's, fun it's, ones? It's FEMA uh, will send out a presidential alert with the following messages to test the wireless emergency alert system. That's See, all it is. And you have to remember, the president is the only one that, to, to, that, who can declare an emergency. Yes. Oh, you well, understand that, right? Of course. You know how journalists are the worst human beings on Earth? Some Pretty of much. them are, Well, yes. one reason that so many people think that this uh, system is President Trump personally texting everyone is because <laughs> that's how it's being reported. Oh. The Verge, Trump will text you at 2.18 p.m. Trump, it's FEMA, you yeah. idiots. The news is reporting that Trump is going to text you. And people believe that. Anonymous White House. I just flipped off my own phone, President. Wow, what a cool I like guy. some of these ones because they're they're kind of they're taking like the presidential or the emergency alert and then they're kind of editing and putting their own like little thing yeah. in there. Somebody a presidential alert and then just put the emoji of an eggplant. <laughs> 
we all know what the eggplant means. Well, God forbid if Trump could text all of us. Bought, Although I did get a text message. I did get a text message the other day saying that he's going to be in Rochester, Minnesota, so go mm, out and see him. I, got, I don't know how he got my number, <laughs> but President Trump texted me. I had a fake Facebook message from him. Oh, did you? Yeah, a, fake, <laughs> a fake one? or No, a real one. Oh. Yeah, he's going to be in Minnesota. Yeah, so I was like, yeah. I got this text. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> see, that to me is creepy that people can... You know, they, I don't know how they reach that far. Oh, there's worse than that. I, I know, told you about it. Well, they probably just text every number in a certain area. Oh, you, you were here that day. So me and Nancy were talking about Invisalign. You know the company Invisalign, the invisible braces. Yeah, yeah. we were talking about that in bed. Uh-huh. Both their phones were in bed. Okay. Or in nightstands, and uh-huh. we were talking about Invisalign. The next morning, I wake up. And I open up my Facebook page, and there's a Vizline ad. And her, she opened up her Facebook page, a Vizline ad. So they're oh. literally listening to your conversations. Yeah. Literally. Yeah, that's a little creepy. And we, and so all. we've tried it again on other things, and I talked about other products, and the next day they're on my phone. So they're literally listening through your speaker. That is extra creepy. But it's true. Well, let's they're start literally talking about, that. like, free money. and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. Lottery tickets, winning numbers. Yeah, you're not kidding. Yeah. I did uh, win, the, I did win the meat raffle three times in meat a raffle. row Sunday. <laughs> Sunday. I won three times in a row. Did I had to get wear, a side had, of beef? I, I had to wear the little piggy hat. Because if you wear, if you win more than, if you win three times in a row, then you have to wear a little piggy hat. Yeah, Yeah. but I, I won three in a row. I just love how he's excited. He won the meat raffle. Well, I was the first person. I was, I was, I was the first first time I saw a meat raffle. I'm like, what does that even mean? I was the first winner. I was the first winner, so I could pick from the whole table, and I won three in a row, so I got all the best stuff. What did you get? The first one I got. I picked two New York strips. Then the second one, I picked two two big, massive sirloins. Oh. And then the third one, I took two other massive sirloins, but I gave them away. Okay. Mm. I so gave them to somebody How many sirloins else. does one guy need? Yeah, I mean, how much red meat <laughs> I mean, you got eat? a freezer. You got a freezer. Eh, you can I'm not freeze big it. on freezing stuff. No, neither is Tom. It, yeah. it does kind of, it makes it a little worse. But still, it's like, you know. I just don't, I don't know. I don't like a bunch my, of stuff in My the parents, everything went in the freezer. My parents Everything yeah. was in yeah. the freezer. Well, that's because they lived before freezers, so they were well, like, they would buy, like, this is magic. Whole, but, yes. they, but they bought, like, a whole cow. So, we, so you know. Yeah, Dan does the same yeah, thing. But that was, for, that was for survival. No, that's just because so? they had farmer relatives. Yeah, and they exactly. just go down and get a cow. If you live out in North Dakota or something, you have free, an extra freezer that you, you can just put outside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dan does the same thing. He shoots a deer and then basically puts the entire thing's well, muscul- muscul- musculature in the freezer. I, and I thought he brought it to some. Don't don't. Well, bring yeah, it to, but, don't you bring it to some guy that cuts it all up yeah, and packages butcher. it all up? Yeah, yeah but yeah. then he puts all that in the freezer because there's no way he can eat no, all yeah, that. Exactly. It's called a butcher. Uh, well, I didn't know if a deer but it's a deer butcher or yeah. just a regular butcher. Any butcher can. Any I butcher. suppose. Okay. Wired.com. Donald Trump plans to text you on Wednesday whether you want him to or not. That's just insane. Donald man. Trump is texting you. No, he really isn't. Journalism is a dead industry i think the local journalists do a good job in minneapolis most of them some of them some of them let's be fair some of them do mm. but mm. print journalism i don't even know what's going on with print journalism. i don't know who does a good job anywhere they're well, all even the right and the left both of them are bad I yeah it's, i it's i don't trust too... any mainstream media anymore at no. all That's and they're so biased thing. it is sad. i know people who work in newspapers and they tell me that when they do a story They'll 
they don't even find a stock picture. They'll find video and take a still when they're in the middle of talking and, and use that picture of Trump just to make him look as worse yep. as possible. Yeah. That's really... Well, he does make some pretty gnarly facial expressions when he talks. But the... Oh, I remember when we first got, remember TiVo was the first, you know, mm-hmm. DVR sort of thing. I remember we would just stop, stop it all the time it. and be like, because <laughs> yeah. everybody well, that's, looks so horrible. That's how I am. Like, I'm always in pictures. People, you know, if we're at a party or whatever, I'm always in the background mid-conversation and my face is contorted. Yeah. I'm like, don't post that. I look horrible. But I'm, yeah. I'm the least photogenic person in the universe, so I know what you mean that's because you refuse to smile i smile yeah, it just yes. doesn't i used to be the same odd smirk i used to be the same do. way i never smiled in pictures yeah and it's a big difference yeah now i know absolutely. to smile in pictures because it makes a big difference. yeah absolutely my I father try. is the same way he was always whining about that he looked terrible in pictures it's because you know you always look like yeah. you're ready to kill somebody yeah, smiling in pictures makes a big big difference i'll just do the thug life thing andy <laughs> 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 There you go. We have oh. our guest. Oh, dear. Oh. Okay. Brian Keating, oh, hello. Are dear. you there? I am here. Can you hear me? Yes. Thank you very much for doing the sound check. I was reading your bio, and it's like so far above my head what you do. Well, <laughs> I, I don't want to even read oh. it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, <laughs> well, <laughs> so I still I need to you. say the alphabet song in my head. Uh, Knowledge letter comes after Q. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm upset that the Nobel Prize is a political sort of firebomb too. I didn't. I, everything, everything is. you think that is yeah. like above reproach is a big old mess. Can, can you explain? Give us a. We've got a few minutes before our next break. Can you just give us a little well, we overview? Overview of your book topic. Yeah. So my book is, uh, is called Losing the Nobel Prize. And it's a how-to guide for people to handle when they lose the Nobel Prize or the Oscars or high school class presidency. It's, it's really, you know, I saw all these books when I was a younger scientist that said how to win the Nobel Prize. And I thought that's about as useful as, you know, a book on how to win the lottery or win at bingo or something. Yeah. You know, having a strategy to win something when only one person you know, can win an Oscar each year or three people can win a Nobel Prize each year. It's not really that useful to the vast majority of humanity on how to win an award like that. Uh, but instead, most of us don't get to win such things. And the question is, how do you handle those kind of setbacks, failures, embarrassments, as happened to me many times in my career? But uh, that was sort of the motivating factor that led me to write the book. Um, I don't, okay, so you were up for the prize, and what happened? Yeah, yeah, well, two things happened. One is that I created an experiment that we took down to the very bottom of the world, you know, the part of the globe where they write, you know, that it's made in China or whatever, and that, uh, that location is called the South Pole, Antarctica, and this telescope, it was essentially a time machine that we hoped would take us back to the very beginning of time. And if successful, as we originally thought we were, we were basically guaranteed of winning a Nobel Prize. And then later, um, a few months after this announcement that I describe in the book, which was you know very high drama in the normally kind of boring, nerdy world of physics that I inhabit, the the drama came to a to a real head when we uh, had to essentially recant our original 
claims to discovery. And soon thereafter, I was tapped by the Nobel Prize Committee in Stockholm to nominate a more deserving winner than myself. And so that, uh, that, that kind of confrontation with right after failing to win the Nobel Prize, it'd be kind of like, you know, an actor's about to win an Oscar and then the Academy says, uh, you can't, you can't win. Uh, but can you tell someone who's better than you that does deserve to win? That's sort of the embarrassment level that I felt. So that, those are the different, you know, kind of meanings behind the title, losing the Nobel Prize, the, t- the two different ways that I lost it. All right. Well, just a little background on Brian Keating. He's a professor professor of physics at the University of California, San Diego. He's lectured on six of the seven continents, including Antarctica. Antarctica. <laughs> Sorry. Words are hard. I'm going to. I'm, yeah. He's an expert in the study of the universe's oldest oldest light, the cosmic microwave background (CMB). I didn't even know that was a thing. See, this is why, you know, you just make me feel dumb. So I want you to talk. I mean, so you're, you're, so the, winning the Nobel, Nobel Prize for a scientist is sort of, like you said, it's like winning the Oscar. You get, how much money is, do you win if you do win it? You can win up to a million dollars before okay. taxes. So that's why people want to do it. Plus, I'm guessing your are eligible. prestige. You're, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. And so you say prestige. Nobel Prize winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so your prestige level goes way up, and you probably can get more funding to get your experiments done. So there's there are, are really good reasons to want Absolutely. the prize as a mm-hmm. scientist. But you're saying that mm-hmm. it could actually... Uh, winning, the, well, the, the Nobel Prize itself, instead of advancing scientific progress, may actually hamper it because you're, they're encouraging speed and greed? Yeah, well, a lot of the some of the, uh, the difficulties that I outline in the book were only made clear to me when I was asked to nominate future winners of the Nobel Prize. And I went back being the kind of scholastic, academician, nerdy kind of guy I am. I went back to Alfred Nobel and his will, which endowed this prize, 122 years ago or so. And it's the most famous will in history, and yet very little is actually being adhered to. And I, I asked myself, if I wrote a will, you know, what would be the most important thing in my will to to have carried out? And if someone did not carry it out, what, you know, what can you do once you're dead, right? So I felt it was my obligation to, you know, I owed it to the old man, Alfred Nobel, to try to rectify a lot of what I saw to be injustice being done in his name. And I found I wasn't alone, that there are actually a great deal of scientists, including some past Nobel Prize winners. You know, people can pick at me and say, well, you just have sour grapes because you didn't win it. And as much as I say that couldn't be further from the truth, if you, if you do read the book, you get a sense that the Nobel Prize really doesn't have the meaning to me that it once did. But nevertheless, when you see past Nobel Prize winners, you know, criticizing the Nobel Prize and uh, some of the ills that I've recognized within it uh, shared by these people, then you realize that it it could be having a very detrimental effect, not only on young scientists in particular, um, but also on the scientific process itself. And I think that's really a negative thing. Uh, it's very different when scientists attempt to kind of emulate Hollywood and, and have awards. It has it has a different kind of effect on the practitioners of the field than, say, actors and actresses experience. Has it ever been taken away from anybody who's won it? Like they were found out to be <laughs> That's a really good question. So what happened was, uh, so, so I wrote the book and, and it got some attention from the Nobel Committee in Stockholm, including the Secretary General 
of the uh, Swedish Academy that awards these prizes, he actually engaged with me online, was kind of trolling me. No, just kidding. He <laughs> but he, he responded to some of, some of my criticisms. And uh, and some of the things that he said were kind of preposterous. In other words, that, you know, I, I made the suggestion that, that some of the Nobel Prizes in years past, you know, in fact, maybe should be revoked uh, when they've been given out to, you know, people that were known to be terrorists, you know, or believed to be terrorist leaders or people that had uh, been known to advocate for the increase in the amount of, you know, weapons and warfare and armies on the face of the earth. And he said, well, that, you know, should we go back and ask them to return the money? And I said, well, the money's really not the most important thing. I said, it's a million dollars if you win it and don't share it with anyone. But the Nobel Prize can be shared by up to three people in physics, and it can be shared by up to thousands of people. The Peace Prize can be shared by many people. So I said, no, it's not about the money. It's about the title Nobel Laureate and that you always have that distinction on your CV. And, and as, as you mentioned, it leads to prestige and getting more funding and getting more attention and media appearances and speaking fees and so forth. So there's a tremendous amount of responsibility. And I think, you know, when you have people that have actually the leader of Myanmar, I think her name is Aung San Chi or Key. She won the Nobel Prize in 1991 uh, when it was still called Burma, I believe. And lately she's been accused of kind of standing by why war crimes take place in her own country, and yet they refuse to, to rescind it from her. And I think it's kind of ironic that places like uh, Hollywood have rescinded the membership of someone who's so foul like Harvey Weinstein and accused mm. of such terrible things. Uh, and yet they won't, the Nobel Committee, which holds itself so high in terms of prestige, won't revoke these Nobel Prizes that went to past recipients who have gone on to do all sorts of evil things like advocate for, for uh, enforced sterilization of African Americans, uh, as has happened, and, and advocating for the use of chemical weapons. So there, there are all sorts of... Um, reasons to revoke the Nobel Prize, not the least of which to save the Nobel name from further being sullied by for political means. I, okay, Brian, we need to take a quick break. Can you hang on uh, during sure. the break? And we'll talk about this afterwards, too. Thank you. Absolutely. We'll be right back. John, I just got another complaint about our delivery service. Oh, not again. Yep, we have to do something about our courier service. You know, they're a reflection of us. What happened now? Well, you know that one driver that has the dog that rides with him? Uh-huh. Well, when he got out of his truck to deliver our package, his dog got out and delivered, well, uh, his own package, if you know what I mean. That's it. I want you to call... Priority Courier Experts, because, you know, they've got more than 500 drivers. And tell them we need... A professional, reliable courier service. And make sure they have internet order entry and real-time tracking. You know, I had Priority Courier Experts account rep in here about a month ago and... Who knows how many accounts we could have serviced better if we had just signed up and started using the Twin Cities' largest, most reliable on-call courier service. What's that number? Because the next package is... Going with Priority Courier Experts. Already dialing 651-748-4477. Priority Courier Experts. Can we help you? Can you ever... Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. 
<laughs> I like it. Welcome back to the Tom Bernard Show. We are speaking with Brian Keating about his book, Losing the Nobel Prize, The Story of Cosmology, Ambition, and the Perils of Science's Highest Honor. Uh, Cassie, I think you had a question for him. Well, I was just wondering, because um, with your uh, telescope that you uh, invented and everything and trying to prove the Big Bang Theory and, the, you know, the beginning of, uh, you know, Earth as we know, well, space, um, do you think it had some type of religious undertones on why you did not get the Nobel Peace, or not Nobel Peace Prize, but the Nobel Prize? Ah, well, there. I don't believe that there is anything specifically religious. No, in fact, the the I, I don't believe that the experiment that I was you know participating in actually deserved a Nobel Prize. Uh, after we had basically had to admit that we had made an error in the interpretation of our results as indicative of witnessing the very first instance in the Big Bang and the universe's history. On the other hand, I do believe that there is a huge undercurrent within science, uh, in particular uh, in Sweden, where there is this um, lack of respect for religious, you know, kind of viewpoints, et cetera. And I don't advocate any particular viewpoint. I just like to point out the fact that in many cases, there's a, almost a religious-like fervor associated with with the um, pursuit of, of cosmological theories that are remaining essentially completely unavailable to be tested by observation. And not only that, I believe that the Nobel Prize itself is essentially a religion that I describe in the book, where you have a high priesthood, which is the Swedish Academy of Sciences, that that bestows beatification upon uh, upon the laureates, the people that win the Nobel Prize, and then there are sinners, the apostates, such as myself, that critique the project there to critique the Nobel Prizes. Uh, there are holidays. Just yesterday and, and this whole week has been the holiday of Annunciation, where the Nobel Prizes are announced this whole week in Stockholm and Norway. And then in December, there's the Coronation Feast, which takes place on the anniversary of Alfred Nobel's death. Not his birthday. They celebrate his death day. And finally, of course, they give out no shortage of gilded graven images, gold medallions with a with a cash value of twenty four thousand dollars that the U.S. government will tax you upon. Uh, anyway, that that uh, ceremony hands out these gilded graven images that you literally have to bow down and prostrate yourself to in front of the King of Sweden. So wow. I think they're all the elements of a religion. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, so this is all this is all done by this is yeah. all done by the Swedish government. It's Sweden that administers uh, the the all the Nobel prizes except for the Nobel Prize and Nobel Peace Prize that's given away in Norway, and and Norway I think seceded from Sweden you know 100 years right. ago or something yeah. like that. So uh, it's Scandinavian prize and it's a it's a governmental. Well, in the that sense says that, that says it the all. King of <laughs> <laughs> we, so we live, we live in Minnesota, and this is a lot of Swedes and Norwegians oh, boy, here. We're, we have oh, the yeah. biggest Norwegian population like next, next to Norwegian. No, they Nor- do. Yeah. So yeah, I always thought I always thought you guys were really smart. You know, Norwegians and Swedes are really smart. But don't you know about this place called San Diego? <laughs> you know, fantastic weather. <laughs> you know, it's uh, eighty degrees and sunny here. Oh, believe me. You guys all move out here. We need. Well, to. I'm Italian, so that. I don't fit the bill. But they're so. I've met so many of them. That they're so stoic. And mm, kind of yes. so stubborn that <laughs> Cassie, you, you really don't know what to do with them. 
I'm mostly Scots-Irish. I, yeah. I have very little Scandinavian in me, even though I sound like I'm Scandinavian. Oh. But They're very stoic, and they just they won't crack. They just won't. Uh, our they da- won't our, crack. Our daughter married mm-hmm. a 100% Scandinavian yeah. man. Mr. And, Norway. And he is out there cross-country skiing 50 <laughs> below, no problem. Mm-hmm. I never get cold. It's like they're just, you know, I don't know, just how it is. They're a tough group. They, they are yeah. a tough group. So how many people are, is it a panel on the Nobel Prize yeah, Committee? it's actually a, a group of thousands of scientists that are all predominantly are, are Swedish. Okay. Uh, yeah, thousands of members of the Swedish Academy of Sciences, which is like our National Academy of Sciences in the U.S., except their oversight is by the uh, formerly by the King of Sweden, uh, but he's basically a figurehead that just passes out the medallions, according to these, these okay. folks that run it. They do solicit external experts in certain fields of subject matter expertise. And I was solicited in 2015 as one of these subject matter experts that was to advise them on who I thought should win the Nobel Prize the following year in 2016. Now, I, I mind you that, you know, that, that that was just a few months after I had to retract, along with my teammate, the interpretation of the signal that we had announced to, you know, millions of YouTube views and the front page of the New York Times, and I'm sure it was there in, in Minnesota as well, that there was a, you know, that we had discovered the beginning of time, essentially. And instead of that, we had to retract it. And just a few months after the retraction, I was invited in a strictly confidential letter that I'm asking none of your listeners to divulge, uh, that I was one of the nominators of the Nobel Prize for the following year. And it'd be like somebody, you know, wanted to come on, on Tom's show and then all of a sudden saying, well, you know what? I'd rather go on a better podcast. Can you, uh, can you recommend a better podcast? It was very embarrassing. That actually happens all the time here. (laughs) (laughs) I doubt it. That passive aggressive um, so nature we got. It is passive aggressive. Actually, it does happen when Tom's not in and he's if he's out sick, people cancel. They do. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. cancel if Tom's which not I in. don't take personally at all. Yeah, <laughs> they want they want to talk to Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Or you have people that are come, come in right. here and only will speak to Tom. They just look at him, and if you ask a question, that they just happens. ignore you. Yeah, so we understand being <laughs> dissed, as it were. Um, right. I, so I, I was just wondering, is there could there be like some payola involved in people oh, getting well, the prize? Oh well, you know it's funny that you asked. So this wondering. year, this year the Nobel. Yeah, this year the Nobel Prize in Literature was canceled, and uh, for the first time in its history, and there is a financial crimes unit within Sweden that is investigating the finances of the Swedish Academy, which awards the Nobel Prize in Literature. So what was happening was there was a woman, and she was the effectively the leader of the committee that selects Nobel Prize winners in literature. Her husband is alleged to have not only had illicit affairs with other women, but also to potentially be uh, to be committing sex, you know, sex sexual harassment against women as well. Some of whom, you know, were probably potentially interested in participating in the Nobel Prize themselves. So it's funny that he he committed these crimes allegedly, and then she was forced to take the fall. And now the same financial investigation team that investigates like the mafia and other things in Sweden is now investigating the Nobel Prize in literature. It's quite startling development for these normally very, you know, very placid Swedes, as you guys know. There's a Swedish mafia? Is that like the Amish mafia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, apparently everywhere there's a mafia. There's a mafia in Antarctica, I'm sure. That's so funny because uh, sure. my, my son-in-law's brother has 
a t-shirt that says Swedish Mafia. Yeah. <laughs> and I was laughing at it. I'm like, oh, oh the Swedes. No, no, no. Because the Amish Mafia, that show, that was all fake. That show. Remember well, that yeah. show, Amish Mafia? No, I don't. It was a fake show. There is oh, no really? Amish va- Mafia. It doesn't exist. But I didn't think there would be a Swedish Mafia. Yeah. All I can see is this Swedish chef, like a bunch of Swedish chefs what sitting in a pan. In the pot. <laughs> yeah. But I would think anything as powerful and as much money involved as Nobel Prize, mm-hmm. there has to be corruption. Yeah. There has to be. There seems to always be when humans get involved. But you, you think that sci- you know, scientists are yeah. put on a pedestal. No, but there's a lot of yeah, a lot that, of people like think, they're right? above but, reproach and it's a double blind a lot and there lies. can't be lying. There's a lot of lies in science. Uh, apparently. Yeah. And a lot of people yeah. do and say yeah. a lot of things to get to the top. And it's a lot of things are fudged. A lot of numbers are fudged. And as I said, you know, there people use the, you know, like to think of scientists. And I I reminded of that uh, movie, A Few Good Men, when, you know, Jack Nicholson says, you know, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall, you know, so that you can sleep at night. And I think most people feel that way about scientists. Like they want them in Sweden. They need them in Sweden. They need to know that there are people out there Mm -hmm. who are, quote unquote, smarter than they are. But they may know more facts, but they might not necessarily know more wisdom and be more wise. And they're certainly subject, as, you know, I've been in my life, to very, you know, crass desires, such as the desire to win a Nobel Prize or the desire to be proven right and and do all sorts of things that are only human. And despite stereotypes to the contrary, scientists are human beings. And and until we invent, you know, our robot overlords to do science instead of (laughs) us, that's always going to be the case. And it always has been the case. It's Galileo. Galileo was basically trying to have a monopoly on his scientific findings so that he could make money to support his illegitimate daughters. Holy moly. How many, how many so did he have? way back. I, I think you could. You I believe have... he had at least two. Oh, I thought he did. And they were both uh, n- nuns in the Catholic Church. And what? after he was sentenced <laughs> to a life, life imprisonment. Yeah, well, he had a couple of mistresses, <laughs> wow. I think. And, and they were. they. So that was actually a good thing to let them be because otherwise they couldn't marry in, back in 1609. Somebody should go marry on anybody this. if they were <laughs> legitimate. Is there a movie on this? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> you should be writing a well, screenplay. Well, it'll be a movie. Be <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. There have been many books about it. There's a book called Galileo's Daughter, which is fantastic. Um, so yes, there 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 have been uh, you know kind of portrayals of this, but you know, I recount in the book how people really have this this you know really exalted view of scientists, yes. but in some cases that's not deserved. You know, just because we know a lot about calculus and, and, and the laws of quantum mechanics, it doesn't give us any special title to ethical best practices or, or other things that other disciplines such as lawyers, even lawyers have to take classes in ethics, and yet no scientist that I know of, you know, really focuses as much effort on learning and, and improving upon his or her, you know, ethical best practices unless their university sort of compels them to do so. See, it's funny. My view on scientists is they would they would cheat and kind of fudge their experiments to get ahead. Like, that's just how well, I... Well, you hate humans. No, but that's how... No, I, that, I actually don't. That's how, <laughs> that's how I always viewed scientists. Like, it's their their yeah. opinion and they're going to... They have an agenda. They have an agenda well, to... Well, certainly there is a lot of... Yeah, there is a lot of groupthink in science. I mean, you hear oh, figures yeah. t- tossed around a lot. And the, my, my least favorite thing is that it's settled science. 
Like, there's no such thing yeah. as that old science. I mean, even Einstein had ideological agendas, and he was a real SOB in some ways in terms of the way he treated his mentally ill son, his wife, who did a lot of work that resulted in his Nobel Prize. He, he basically wrote her out of history, or, you know, she was ended up being written out of history so he could promulgate this notion of the white male genius who does everything right. But, you know, I should say, most of my colleagues are tremendous individuals, and I have utmost respect for them. I learn a lot from them. My book is really a memoir of what it's like to be a scientist and, and experience the human emotions that go along with trying to uncover the deepest secrets of, of nature, including how did the universe begin? Well, I, I, who knew that there was such a dark side to science and, and <laughs> anything, the Nobel Prize? Yeah. Anything people run is... I yeah. mean, there's corruption in, yeah, like, eight-person book no clubs what. in, you know, rural Idaho. <laughs> they can corrupt anything. <laughs> hey, I remember there was yeah. this, pony, this pony club out in uh, Long Lake or something, I think it was. and um, A pony club for little girls to learn how to deal with, po- you know, ponies and and team spirit and all this kind of stuff. And and some one of the moms was stealing all the money. Of course. Oh, my God. <laughs> For pony club, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Oh yeah, I mean, I guess no matter what, and when you're <laughs> when you when you're dealing with millions and millions of dollars, people are even. More but I, I I have remembered seeing people that win the Nobel Prize and wondering myself, how is it possible that they won that? Like that person. I think that happens shady. every time there's somebody nominated and then they win it. It's like, how did they? Like what did Obama they do? won right after he got elected president. That was and the I peace was like, prize, right? Yeah, but how? For what? Yeah, he hadn't even done anything right. yet. No, he had done nothing yet. He just got right. elected president. I mean, he was a nobody before that. He ran Acorn, which right. was the biggest failure, corruption, community organization there ever was. And yet he wins the Nobel Peace Prize. I don't understand. But according to the rules of the Nobel Committee that I describe in the book, there, he was perfectly entitled to be nominated for it. And in fact, you know, uh, Donald Trump has been nominated not for this year's Peace Prize. He's ineligible due to the timing constraints. But according to their rules, they're very they're very tight on the rules that they themselves have made up. In other words, they adhere very strictly to the rules that they made. But they ignore, in many cases, almost completely the stipulations that Alfred Nobel put in his will. In other words, things he explicitly said they don't adhere to, and then mm. things that, that he never said he they adhere to with the strength of, you know, the force of, of say, the IRS bearing down upon Wow. wow, that's amazing. Well, you know, when I when I saw that you were coming on and I'm co-hosting, you know, I was just thrown into the mix this morning. I was looking at your bio and I'm yeah. like, son of a bitch. He's got he's a smart guy. He's going to talk about science, and this is going to yeah, be yeah. We don't like really, when smart people are on. Yeah, this is going to be very intimidating. Yeah. You've been very easy to talk to yeah. and didn't make me feel too stupid. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Wow. It actually sounds very that high praise. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a fascinating book. Uh, I mean, it, it's just amazing this underbelly of science. I'm wondering, is the are the criteria for the Nobel Prize? Is it written in pencil? Because it seems like yeah. Oh, okay. So they did just kind of change it, was it by... by well in ink. It was written in ink, but and they they go through every couple of years and translate his will again, and they change certain sentences that he said to be, make it more politically correct. And, uh-huh. But the main things that he said was that the Nobel Prize has to be given away every year to one person who made the greatest contribution in physics uh, that benefited mankind the most last year. In other words, the award that was given out yesterday in physics, or announced yesterday was actually for a discovery made, you know, perhaps three or four decades ago. 
So they're ignoring that. They gave it to three people, not one person. Mm. And the benefit to mankind is very uh, is very subjective. Sure. And luckily, they've changed that to humankind, although Alfred Nobel clearly states that it should go to a man. <laughs> but that was pretty common in 1895. Yeah. But you think about it, how many things have not changed in 122 years? And they're drastically in need of, of correction and update. That's, that is uh, sort of the way the story yeah. culminates. Well, we're talking to Brian Keating, uh, promoting his book, Losing the Nobel Prize, A Story of Cosmology, Ambition, and the Perils of Science's Highest Honor. Thank you for so much for your time. And I'm, uh, your book is available every place. Amazon, bookstores. Yeah, it's on Amazon. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Dr. Brian Keating. And I have a website, briankeating.com. Brian with an I. Great. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, guys. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye. Right that, that'll do it for us. We're over time. Bye. <laughs>